Welcome to That Spinster Life. I'm Alyssa Jones. This week's chat is with Vera Rowe, co-owner of UV Latin Dance Academy in North Miami, Florida. Vera is a nine-time world salsa, bachata, and hustle champion. She's traveled all over the world to teach, perform, and compete, and holds the titles of 2015 World Cabaret Salsa Summit Champion, 2015 World Cabaret Bachata Summit Champion, 2015 World Hustle Champion, 2014 World Bachata Masters Champion, and she has appeared in the 2019 Blackpool Dance Festival. A native New Yorker who graduated from LaGuardia High School of the Performing Arts as a dance major, Vera was also a USA gymnast for 20 years and competed for Penn State University as an NCAA Division I athlete. She holds a master's degree in mathematics from Boston University, which I mentioned because we met at Boston Arts Academy, where we were both teachers. I asked Vera to talk with me on the show because she's one of the people who inspired me to risk everything to become a full-time creative. We recorded this back in 2020, August 2020, in fact, as we were fast approaching six months in pandemic conditions. You'll hear a lot about the challenges small business owners faced and are still facing one year after the shutdown. I hope this week's reflections on the transition from leap of faith to living your truth help you in some way. Enjoy my chat with dancer, educator, and entrepreneur, Vera Rowe. Vera, hello. Hi, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just feel like we're going to giggle a lot because we haven't seen each other's faces. When did you leave Boston? What year uh, that? I left Boston in, in 2010. Mm. So it's been, uh, it's been 10 years already. You with the math. I said before we started with the math, I already told you about that. We're going to stop that with the math, math teacher. That's enough of that. Um, 10 years ago was the last time we saw each other face to face. Yeah. And in that time you've done so much and I've been watching, you've been inspiring me. Um, just for everyone who's listening or watching, Vera and I met at Boston Arts Academy where we were both teachers and, uh, Vera was like the math teacher, but then I'd heard, oh, she was a gymnast. Like, oh my goodness. And then we would go all out as, as uh, you know, faculty, because the faculty at BAA tends to be friends. It's like all of your best friends work in your building, which is unusual for a school. <laughs> so we'd all go out and then we'd go to the salsa thing and I'm like, what's she doing? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Are you kidding? <laughs> We're all at the at the staff parties, and there's Vera in our role, one of our colleagues, just cutting it up. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna sit down. Where's a cocktail? I'm just gonna I'm gonna take my funky behind and you know my 70s funk behind. That's all I can manage. And I'm gonna go sit over here and watch this. So all of that. Uh, I'm so excited to be talking to you today, my friend. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as your bio, which I only read a snippet of, um, says, you are a dance competitor, right? You own a studio. You've created a, an empire <laughs> around Latin dance for yourself. And I know you're, you're so modest, but it's like it really is. Um, <laughs> can you talk about how that happened how did you end up where you are right now? Um, well, I, I think that's basically why you asked me to come on the show to talk about 
how I got to where I am. Um, and there were, there was a lot that led me to it, but it's funny, like life takes you on this like journey and you got to kind of like figure out your path. Right. And when I was, um, a kid, I was, you know, I'm born and raised in Manhattan and I grew up around the arts. My parents were art lovers. Um, I grew up in the same neighborhood as like Lincoln Center. My high school, LaGuardia, was right behind Lincoln Center. And I was a dance major there. And I did gymnastics. And so I was just like always involved in that stuff. And growing up, a lot of my friends um, were Latino. I grew up with like Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. And I grew up going to quinceañeras. And I grew up going to the salsa clubs in New York. And it even though I'm not Latina, um, but I grew up uh, with a, a love for Latin music and Latin dance. And um, it sort of like shaped my life. And uh, Latin dance became one of my hobbies for sure. Um, but then when I graduated uh, high school, um, I went to, I was recruited by Penn State University and I did gymnastics for them. I was a Nittany Lion. Um, and when I went to college, I was, I didn't know what to major in. So I was like, I'll just major in the subject that I'm the best at. And math was always my best subject in school. So I just did that with, I don't think I put a lot of thought into it. <laughs> I was just like, all right, well, I'm good at this. I'll just do that. And, uh, my mom and dad, um, were school teachers. Mm -hmm for like 35 years. Um, they were, um, they uh, taught special education in Spanish Harlem for like 35 years. And, um, so I came from a family of educators. So when I graduated college, I was like, I just become a math teacher. <laughs> Cause that's kind of like all I knew. I, that's what I watched my parents do my whole life. And, um, again, looking back on it, I don't think I did enough. Um, like, self, um, analysis. And mm. I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I just kind of like did what I knew. And that was kind of like the easy route. Um, so then, uh, when I graduated from Penn state, I moved to Boston and I did my master's degree at Boston university. And I finished that in 2004. And like right before graduation, I was applying for jobs and I applied for a job at Boston Arts Academy because that school was modeled after the high school that I went to and all this, the, the students were artists. So I was like, all right, well, this fits. <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> Get so to teach I, math at an arts high school. That's right. perfect for you. <laughs> perfect. It was like the perfect job for me. Um, so I... Uh, at the time I came in and interviewed and Linda Nathan offered me the position there. So at 24 years old, I started teaching high school math um, at Boston Arts Academy. And I remember I was like, I'm very petite. So I was like a lot smaller than the students. And I looked younger than some of the students. I remember my first day on the job, I was in the bathroom. <laughs> And I was like washing my hands at the sink, getting ready to walk out of the bathroom. And one of the girls, she must have been like a freshman or something. So it was her first day there. It was my first day. And she was like, what grade are you in? Oh, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm your teacher. <laughs> yes. Oh um, 
much. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to have ask how you navigated that all the time. I hadn't heard that story yet, but I'm going to hold off because you're in the middle of your story. But when we're when we when we have another chat, another <laughs> offline, I got to hear how you navigated that for however for however long. How long were you there? You're like it was like six, seven years. I think I was there like yes, probably yeah. six, seven years. Okay, uh, well back to, back to your story. I'm not going to take us down yeah. the holy path. Oh my gosh. <laughs> It was pretty funny. Um, but it was like I had to kind of find my place because um, I think I looked like one a high school student. I was very young and it was my first job ever. Um, so I had a lot of learning and growing up to do also. Um, and I was like navigating my way through that, just like all the other kids at the school were. Um, but you know, it was a great job for me because I could really relate to all of the kids because I was them, you know, um, and we shared the same passion, which was the arts, especially with the, I had a bond with the dance majors for sure. Um, and I started the after school program there. We had the salsa club and I got um, some of the kids involved in that, some of which are full-time salsa dancers today. That's how they make their living. And they so started great. with me in my, my high school group at BAA. So that was kind of cool. Um, but I think, um, like I was telling you, I don't know that I was born to do that job. I, and I don't think I was li like living my truth, like mm. what we talked about. Um, and as the years went on, um, again, like I didn't have enough self-awareness yet. I don't know if it was just I was too young or I don't know what it was, but I just didn't. And I started to like become very unhappy um, because I think my heart was just always with the dancing. So like I, I danced on the side. I was part of a group in Boston. And then eventually I got a professional partner who lived in Philadelphia and I was like driving back and forth and training with him. But I just like, I remember I'd be at the school at BAA all day and my heart just wasn't in it. Like I, I was just dying to get into the dance studio at the end of work. Um, and then for like a, lar a large portion of the years that I was B at BAA, I taught at a, um, a, another dance school in the evening. So I would like work at BAA all day. I'd get there at like 7.30 in the morning. And then at like three or four o'clock, I would leave BAA, go straight to the dance studio and I would teach there all, all night. And it was like a second job. Um, and then I started to get very involved in the dance scene um, in Boston. and then. I like ran a night at a club and then I, I'd be up till three o'clock in the morning and then I had to wake up early to go to BAA and I wasn't sleeping and I put on all of this weight because I think I was just um, finding my way a little bit and I was doing so much, but I was doing things I loved, but I couldn't really enjoy any of them because I was so spread thin um, and I couldn't really be my best at any of them because yeah. I was so spread thin and yeah. the years just kept going by and going by and going by. And I think, um, like I told you, Alyssa, I just hit a breaking point. I think when I turned like 30, and I was like, I got to make a decision because I can't move forward like this. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm not in shape. I don't look like myself. Like I'm just, I wasn't happy. Um, and um, I just made the decision. I was like, I'm going to quit. 
I'm going to leave my job at BAA and I'm going to go full time with the dancing and I'm going to open my own dance school. Um, And I did. And I put in my notice to Linda Nathan and I told her and um, and at the time I was married um, and it was like the economy had just gone bad and everybody was getting laid off. And and I like called my mom and dad and I was like, surprise, I'm voluntarily quitting my job. (laughs) (laughs) My stable public school teaching job. <laughs> that yeah. I can't get fired for from. <laughs> I'm just With gonna leave it. <laughs> and healthcare and healthcare to go dance. Right. And everybody Ta-da. was like, Vera has finally lost it. She's like, like she fell off the edge. And my husband's family, they were kind of like, oh, my God, what is she doing? Like, and nobody really got it. And for some reason, I just knew I was making the right decision. Like, there was literally not like one ounce of doubt in my head. And everybody was like, she's crazy. Vera, what are you doing? You really need to think about this. And I was like, I don't need to think about it. I know what I'm doing. And I just did it. And um, it, okay, maybe it was a little nuts, but I, I just knew for some reason, I just had this feeling that like I was on to the right thing. Um, so I left BAA and I, um, at the time my husband's job had relocated him. So we had just moved right over the border into, um, Nashua, New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. Um, so I opened my own dance school in Nashua and, um, I was teaching there like six days a week five, six days a week, depending. And on the weekends, um, I I had a partner in Philadelphia, like a professional partner, and we would drive back and forth from Philly and New Hampshire on the weekends, take turns Mm -hmm. and train and like work. And we started to get work together. So then I started like um, flying on the weekends and going to gigs with him. And then during the week, like I would run my school and my school of all things in the middle of nowhere in Nashua, little Nashua, New Hampshire was a huge success. Mm. I had all of these people sign up for classes and the school started to make all of this money and it was like doing really, really, really good. I, I mean, it, it was hard to believe, but it, it just did. And I named the school Nueva Vida, because, which means new life. Yeah. And it was a Latin dance school in Nashville, New Hampshire. Nobody there knew what salsa was. Mm. <laughs> um, and I started teaching it. And it just like, I think it did for all of those people what it did for me. Mm. Like it just gave them a passion. Um, it connected everybody. Everybody became like one big family. Um, and there were all sorts of people, like people who had just gone through a divorce or who had lost somebody or whatever. And this school like really meant something to them. And everybody was like bonding and connecting. <clears throat> and then I think like um, almost two years later, um, my husband's job transferred him again and they uh, gave him a couple of options. And one of them was uh, Philadelphia. So it was like, (laughs) yeah, it was bittersweet. Um, 
I did not want to leave. I did mm-hmm. not. That was like a really big thing for me because yeah. um, I built that school from nothing. I had left BA to do it. I And those students had become my family. Like yeah. I was so connected to them. Um, so it just like crushed me inside to have to uh, leave. Um, but I did. And I ended up selling the school to a dance couple that still lives in Boston now. They don't own my school anymore, but um, they did for for some years. Um, And then we moved to Philadelphia. um, And that uh, allowed me to train with my partner all the time. Um, And then we really started to build something and get really good. Um, But then uh, my dance partner got married. He had two kids and he had a very successful dance school in Philadelphia. He owned one of the largest schools in Philly and he was very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it start, my, my partnership with him, I think, started to become a burden uh, because he had so much going on with a wife and a family and a business. Um, and uh, one day he said to me, Vera, why don't you um, consider dancing with my younger brother instead? And I was like, oh my gosh, no, that means I have to start over again. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to start over again. I had put in so much work and we were like, you know, finally um, doing gigs and like becoming known in the industry. And like, it was very exciting and I had put so much into it. And so uh, his younger brother really didn't. He, although he was a dancer, he wasn't as established as we were. Um, and so I was like, all right, let me, let me see if I could find another partner on my own. So I started looking around for like almost a whole year and I couldn't find anybody for various reasons. It's very hard to find a dance partner. And so finally I came back to Darlin, my partner, and I said, all right, I'm going to try something with your brother. Um, cause it was either like that or I don't know, retire or give it up. And I had like gone through so much to get to where I finally yeah. was. I was like, not I gotta do something. <laughs> not an option. So I was like, all right. So I, I was like, let me try something with Yuri, who was Darlin's younger brother. And so, uh, I had a meeting with Yuri and I was like, listen, if you want to do this, I need you all in. I need you to quit your job. I need you to quit everything you're doing and I need you to go into the studio with me and we need to like build something that um, people want to pay for. People want to actually see, like I need you to be a hundred percent dedicated. And Yuri was even more crazy than Darlin. He was like, all right, he quit his job. He gave up his apartment. He moved into his best friend's basement. So he didn't have to pay rent. And for like a good six months, we just lived in the studio and um, and just grinded and grinded. And I mean, we would work like six, seven hours in the studio every day with nobody, just me and him, like training, working on new choreographies, like just coming up with new tricks and things like that. And then we would drive into New York a couple times a week and um, get money, uh, get money, get uh, spend our money mm. getting training from um, very high level coaches and just growing as dancers. I was living off of my savings at the time and the money that I had made from selling my school in um, New Hampshire. He was living off of his savings. We had very little income coming in. 
Um, and during that time, I mean, this is on a personal level, but I was in an unhappy marriage for a very long time. Um, so that wasn't going well. Um, so I was just like so focused on the dancing. And I mean, we literally sacrificed everything. It, it was very hard, but like we were just like had blinders on. And then um, we got our first gig. And from there, we got another gig and then another gig and then another gig. And then just like the money started to come in and then we started traveling and we started traveling around the United States. And the more shows we did, the more people saw us and the more people wanted to hire us. Um, And then we started getting shows internationally. Um, So it was just like this like cycle of um, exposure, I guess, and really like really putting in the time to build a product that people really wanted to see that was different and that was entertaining. Um, and, and people saw the growth too and saw the work. And I think they were impressed by that. Um, and then we started competing and um, we started winning and then we won our first world title and that just catapulted us to the next level. And that's when we really started to travel every single weekend. Um, and there was like maybe a five year period where we traveled like every weekend we had a gig and that was our full-time career. And we did that for years. Um, uh, and then, um, uh, one year my partner, uh, hurt his knee and turns out he needed knee surgery. And we were like, Oh gosh, put the brakes on. What are we going to do now? So he had the surgery and he needed like a six month recovery. And we were like, Oh gosh. Like, and that's when we were like, okay, first of all, I mean, he's a little bit younger than me. I'm 40. He's 36 now. But, um, uh, in the dance industry, that's older, definitely. And we were like, you know, we need a backup plan Um, because you can't tour forever, especially the type of dancing that we were doing with all the aerial work. You can't do that forever for sure. And um, we said, okay, let's open a school in uh, in Miami. We had, I forgot to mention that. Um, So uh, one year during our touring career, um, I was getting a divorce and, um, we were touring every weekend and we were living in Philly, freezing cold winters. And I told Yuri, I was like, why are we living here? <laughs> like, <laughs> we just need to be near an airport. Like, I was like, let's move to Miami. <laughs> Literally. I was like, let's move to Miami. What are we doing here? Like there was just nothing for us there. And um, so uh, we made some plans, obviously, and everything. And and we came back from, we were on this big tour in Asia for like three months. We came back and we packed our cars with all of our things and we just drove to Miami and found a place to live and continued on with our touring. And we just, we flew out of Miami instead of Philly and it didn't really make a difference. And um, we were living in the sunshine and the warm and, and we got out of those awful depressing winters. And um, I was so much happier. Um, And I was just out of my marriage and like, I was 
living my truth, like we talked about. But then this knee surgery thing happened and we were like, all right, well, we need a backup plan. Let's open a school. So um, we started very small. I didn't even have lease my own space. I rented a room um, out of this uh, big gym in North Miami Beach. And mm. they had a, like a bike room in the back. And we rented the room um, and we ran classes like five days a week. Um, and then we would travel on the weekends. And when we had longer gigs, we just managed, like it was, it was very hard. It was exhausting. And we had to do our, our training every day too, on top of a full teaching schedule and then traveling on the weekends. Like it was hard. Thank God I loved what I did because I wouldn't be able to get through that if I didn't. Right. Um, and then the, the, classes started to grow and we started to gain a following in Miami and we outgrew that room. And one day I turned to Yuri and I'm like, what are we going to do? There's too many people in here. Like everyone's uncomfortable. People are complaining. I was like, we're going to have to get a space. So we looked all over, um, North Miami beach and I found this, um, this one room in a plaza that was split into two and we signed a lease on it and built it out, but it was small, two different, two small rooms. And, um, and we opened and Yuri taught in one of the rooms I taught in the other room. And, um, we continued our touring career and then the, the business just started growing. And then the same thing happened. We outgrew that space. And I said to Yuri, Oh my God, what are we going to do now? And, Around that time, the business right next to me, I guess they weren't doing well or something happened and the landlord evicted him. And the landlord called me and said, Vera, do you want the space next door? And I said, yes, let's do it. So we signed the lease on that. We built like doors connecting it. So it was one, one bigger business and, um, and we grew into that space. And literally, like maybe six months later, we had the same issue. Like the rooms just weren't big enough. And sure enough, the landlord called me and said, Vera, one of the businesses on the second floor is going out of business. Do you want it? And I said, let's do it. And I signed the lease on it. And we grew into that space. And then six months later. Don't, fourth, don't say it. A fourth firm <laughs> opened up. <laughs> on the second floor and we signed the lease and we took it. And so like, I think it took less than two years and we grew into four bays in the entire plaza. And our, our little school went from like 30 students to 250. Yeah. And it just became huge and it kept growing and growing and growing. And Yuri and I kept touring and touring and touring and we built that whole school was built on our touring career. Like all the money that we'd make from our touring, we would pour in, invest into the business and into our training. Um, and it was like this cycle of just investing into ourselves and our business over and over and over again until we built what we really wanted. Um, and that's kind of like how I got to where I was. And then like a year ago, um, a year ago, actually, uh, Yuri and I made the decision to retire from touring and performing and competing because we just got into that place where we had done it for eight years and we were just tired. <laughs> I guess. We were tired and we had um, like 
I had a list of kind of like achievements that I wanted to like achieve before I I finished and, and we did and I felt very good about it. And I also wanted, you know, I'm 40, I wanted a family very badly. Um, and I needed to invest my time and effort into that. Um, so we decided to retire mm-hmm. and um and focus on the business. And it's been a year now and I'm married again, having a baby for the first time. I'm pregnant. I'm six months pregnant. And um and we're focused on the business. Um and that's kind of like how I got to where I was going. <laughs> I didn't even know where I was going, but I figured it out. <laughs> Listen, I, and I love that. So, I mean, the thing that's so beautiful about your story, Vera, is the fact that you, there's so many pieces in there that people can relate to, right? The the stepping out into your adult life, first of all, and not being sure what that even should look like, right? Yeah. So you did you did what you knew until you figured out what you wanted. And then when you figured out what you wanted, you went for that, but still from this place of I've got to hold on to what the world expects me to do and what, right. what feels like the safe idea, right? The secure idea, health coverage. Yes. Until you just, you're, you physically just can't take it anymore. Yeah. Having your heart and soul doing something else, being something else, but your physical body being in a place that fills the shoulds right? Um, And then once you let go of that and then just trusted and threw yourself into your truth, 100%, 200%, if we're honest, and the patience also, the patience with the the fact that you need to leap several times, right? (laughs) Right. It's like there's an impatience in terms of getting your craft together. I'm speaking artist to artist, right? So we're impatient about our progress. Like we want, we want to get better now. So we grind that out. We get, we push ourselves, but then we have to balance that with this patience for the world to catch up and for the, you know, the universe to make, make it clear what the next step is. Yeah. Right. Whether it's dropping it in your lap by having, well, not really drop because you did the work to get 30 students to turn into like a thousand probably at this point. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do the math on that. But, you know, just listening to how and every school you opened was a success, right? And I, that's for me, knowing who you are as a teacher, that has everything to do with that. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. Certainly your, your dancing, which is sublime and your grind, which is admirable. But there's also this really great human who knows how to teach people and make them feel special and good and successful, right? And so that's that contributes too. And so you just found the best place for your natural ability to teach and lead and inspire others, which I think is just so great. And I'm just so excited for you that everything is just resonating the way you're going to be a dope mom. I'm so excited for your little one. Oh my gosh. We're we're gonna take a break um, and go on ahead and listen to the song of the week. So go ahead, turn up that volume, uh, get up out your chair, shake something, and we'll be right back. It's time for the song of the week. This week I'm sharing one of my own, a track from my 2016 release After Hours. I chose this one because it was produced by alums from Boston Arts Academy, where Vera and I taught and became friends. It's not quite for Latin dance, but you might be able to sneak a rumba moment or two in there. Here's yours truly on a track produced by The Audio Outfit. This is Know You Better. 
Well, that was me, your host, with Know You Better from my EP After Hours. Listen on Spotify, and if you become a Patreon subscriber, you'll have access to this and my new releases coming this spring. Let's head back to my chat with Vera Rowe. And we're back with my friend Vera Rowe from our teaching days at Boston Arts Academy in Boston. They're in Fenway, the Fenway neighborhood. Um, So we heard a really amazing story about how you went from becoming a teacher, even becoming a teacher in the first place, to running this just mind-blowing business that exploded. And, you know, as we said on the break, I just am so, just so knocked out about how every time you opened a school, it exploded. And at the same time, you're working your craft so hard and, and, that's exploding. And, you know, it's just this, as artists, we have that tension between kind of 
pushing ourselves to get better at what we do, but then also waiting for the world to kind of open up so that we can do what we do the way we want. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in that, there's a lot of, I mean, there's some psychological stuff that goes on, right? Because Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're, you know, you're getting ready, you're ready, you're pushing, you're pushing, and you're going at a quick pace. And then the world is like, slow motion, like, hey, (laughs) I don't know where I'm supposed to land. And it might take longer than it takes you to get to where you're going in terms of your craft, at least, you know, at that moment. So you got to take care of yourself, right? There's a cognitive dissonance there, right? Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you take care of yourself as you live your truth? And there's, you know, that, that distance between your um, mastery of your, of your craft and your, and your readiness to, to put that on the world. And then the world maybe not being ready to have it yet, or not being so clear as to how you're supposed to be using it. How do you, how do you manage like your mental health in that space? I mean, I think it's hard. It's definitely never been my strong suit. <laughs> um, I, it's definitely been my weakness my whole life. Cause I'll like push and push and push and I'm not listening to my body or what I need or anything. I just get like blinders on and I go, 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 go. And it's so important to take care of yourself physically and mentally and uh, spiritually, emotionally, everything. Um, and now as I get a little bit older, I'm definitely more in tune with that where Mm. I was not in tune with that, um, when I was younger. And I think that's why, like we talked about getting to your breaking point before you have to like make a big decision. And it's because I wasn't listening to myself. Right. And that's how I, it took me so long to get to that, that place. Whereas now I'm so much more aware of those things. Am I happy? Am I not happy? Why is my body hurting me? Like, why, what do I need to do to make it better? Um, for me, definitely balance in life. I've, I've never really been good at that. I've never had it. Um, especially with the dancing in the last like eight years, I was so like driven and, and training so hard and doing 10 million things. There, there was no balance. There was no personal life. There was no like massage therapy (laughs) (laughs) which you need as a dancer more than anybody (laughs) people are throwing you in the air (laughs) every day (laughs) like you need you need someone to be like okay muscles so man okay sorry I just that's funny (laughs) and like in my last few years of my career I got way better at that I took better care of myself I tried to rest more um I did um more stretching and more self-care like hot baths and epsom salt and massage and chiropractic work um and I also found time for myself outside of dance and tried to form more relationships with people and friendships and date and meet somebody. And whereas I wasn't doing that at all before, I was just so focused on the training and the traveling and the performing and the competing. Like I literally didn't care about anything else. And your body suffers. Like my partner had two knee surgeries. I had a third knee surgery. Like we were hurting, we had injuries, we were tired tired all the time. Um, so that's finding balance is just so important and you just got to figure that out, especially as an artist, especially as a dancer. Mm -hmm. Um, but now that I'm retired, 
um, even with my finding balance between my business and my personal, something that I still struggle with because I'm very focused on the business the same way I was focused on my dance career. Um, but now I like force myself because if I go too hard, like life starts to pass you by and, and then, you know what I mean? And then you're not like really present or like enjoying certain moments. And I, I, I found a way to realize that and focused on that too. And, and I think that's what's led me to have, have a family and, and a husband again and become pregnant and all of that and enjoy that side of my life too. Um, so it's very, very important. Yes. Yeah. Balance. I think, balance. uh, yeah. I mean, when we're, I think the myth about taking leaps of faith and living your truth is that you're, you can't have balance because you have to make up maybe for what time you didn't spend before for starting late or changing course. You've got to make up for that by grinding harder. It's about working smarter. Right. And that's about balance. And yeah. because, you know, you're going to be ready if you have a process and you're committed to that process and we're speaking to our fellow artists now who are thinking about that leap of faith of jumping out of something secure, full two feet, whole body, head, everything into your art making, your process, you've got that down and it will continue to grow. And so while the world is catching up and while you're sitting in that stillness so that you can see what the next thing is or managing your um, confusion about why you have to make a change that you don't understand. I'm definitely, I'm with you on that. Like, what you mean I got to leave New- Nashua, New Hampshire? What you mean? And I'm, like, I'm like, what you mean I'm moving to New Orleans for no reason? Like, off, what the heck? Like, yes, what? You know, I like, you know, it's, but while you're managing that, you have to take care of yourself. You have to understand that living your truth is a, is a life in balance. Right. Not only with with your ambitions and your, you know, your personal life, but also, you know, physically, you got to be in harmony with all the things you got to be able to listen and hear. And I just love that you said that, that taking care of yourself, because we, especially we artists, we and entrepreneurs, we forget that. Yes. And as women, we forget that. Yes. Because we are just used to going hard on everything because the world expects us to be everything to everybody. Yes. And so I just want to thank you for that comment. Um, it's time for our rapid fire questions. Oh, God. Yay! These are the ones that everyone gets to answer. Uh, these are the ones who that uh, these are the takeaways. So okay. quick, quick answers and we'll get to it. You ready? Yes. All right. So first one, what is your top tip for anybody trying to figure out how to live their truth? Um, so top tip would be everybody has fear sometimes, like, especially doing aerial work, people say, oh, fear is fearless. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe anybody's fearless, but, um, you have to be able to, um, not allow your fear to control you. You have to control your fear. Mm-hmm. That's super important because you're going to have fear. Everybody's going to be scared, especially when you're making a huge leap or jump or something. You just can't let your fear control you. Yes. Do not let your fear control you. I love that. Uh, Next one. And this is coming off the question we just talked about. What do you do to practically like be specific? What do you do now to take care of yourself? How do you take care of you? Um, I love hot baths with Epsom salt. (laughs) My sister of the baths. I could take a hot bath twice a day with the Epsom salts. I just totally could. 
Yes. And yes. once a day, I go on my walk to the park. I do a little workout. I take my dog, Lily, with me by myself. And that's my meditation time to be alone, to enjoy the sunshine, the Florida weather, and to think and be alone. Super important for me. I do that every morning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. great. I love it. So now, now I'm really sad we did that I, I did not make an effort to find you when I was staying in Florida with my dad. <laughs> so you totally could have just, you know, I've got my little miles and that's our thing too in the morning. It's just until it gets too hot, it's a mile with miles, yeah. right? <laughs> and then, but now it's too hot. So it's maybe like a quarter mile. He's like, excuse me, can we go aside? <laughs> I got all of this on. It's hot. It is. It's very hot. <laughs> um, to wrap it up, which female music artists are you listening to right now? Which, or even if you're not listening to that much, like who do you put on? What other women, female singers, music people that you put on to get you going? I love Alicia Keys mm. and uh, Janet Jackson. Yes. And Beyonce. Yes. They're all like power women. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. Listen, Alicia Keys is winning the votes this season. I've had everybody has said Alicia Keys. So I mean, yeah. she's she's great. I think she's just the all around. So yeah, this awesome. you can hear uh, music from our rapid fire uh, responses on our TSL playlist on Spotify, where you are listening to this podcast. Uh, and we are going to try to put up a YouTube uh, video playlist on this YouTube channel of the same artist. So keep your eye out for that as well. Please join me in thanking Vera Rowe for a great time. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the show. It's been really great reconnecting with you, my friend. Thanks for having me. It's been wonderful. <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, and uh, for those of you who are looking to participate in the show, if you're a female identifying music, music artist, musician, why don't you hit us up and let us know that. Send us some things to listen to. We just might feature you on the song of the week. If you'd love for your story to be told on this show, also hit us up and uh, have a conversation. Maybe we will see you here right on this Zoom until then uh, we will see you and hear and talk to you next week take care be sure to check out Vera Rowe at uvlatindance.com and on social media at uvlatindance join me next week as I chat with Gina M. Jackson an arts commissioner for the city of San Diego where she is also a theater maker and university educator Until then, check out that Spinster Life playlist on Spotify and join our community via Patreon. If you're enjoying the show, follow us on Facebook and Instagram and remember to tell your friends. Thanks for listening to this episode of That Spinster Life. I'm Alyssa Jones.